We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The month of April was when we observed that Harold Washington, Chicago's first African-American mayor, would have been 100 years old had he lived. And we looked back on his life and his place in Chicago's history. But before we put April too far in the rearview mirror, it might be good to think back on the political lessons that Harold Washington and the times in which he lived could teach us. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest is a former colleague and a one-time regular at City Hall. Peter Nolan is best known as the longtime political reporter for the television station that we call NBC5 today, WMAQ. He's won numerous awards, including three Emmys, and he's written books. The one that brings us together this weekend is about Harold Washington and more. It's called Campaign, the 1983 election that rocked Chicago. We are recording this interview via Zoom conferencing, and it's been a while since I've seen Peter, so I admit it's a real pleasure. Peter Nolan, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here, Craig. Well, full disclosure, I am not a native Chicagoan. Actually, Peter isn't either. We're both from New York, but he's been here a lot longer than me. But I arrived in Chicago in February of 1983, just as that campaign was heating up. And... Uh, Peter, it seemed to me that that was a campaign of surprises all the way along. Yes, it was. Um, we, throughout the primary campaign, you had the three candidates. You had the incumbent, uh, Jane Byrne, who was the mayor, first woman mayor of Chicago, and uh, Richard M. Daley, who was the son of the late Richard J. Daley. And then you had Congressman Harold Washington, who was kind of a late starter. They had a, uh, there was a committee in the black community to was, wanted to get a candidate in, and they thought he was, the, he, he was in Congress, that he'd be a good one. And he was a little bit reluctant. He re required, he said, if, if I do this, we need to register a lot of uh, people and we need to raise some money. And it was back and forth, as you say, there was a surprise every week that the polls would, and for a long time, it was thought to be between Daly and Byrne. And uh, then toward the end, uh, all of a sudden, Harold shows up, uh, up in the polls. So it was quite an exciting uh, experience. And just uh, for the record, um, 
I was assigned in this campaign to, um, I had all losers. Uh, the first <laughs> one I had was Richard M. Daly. And then I had in the general election, I had Bernard Epton. And um, not that we didn't cover the other candidates. Carol Marine, I think, had Jane Byrne and uh, Paul Hogan, the late Paul Hogan, yeah. uh, covered Harold. But we switched around a lot. If somebody wasn't there, I'd, I remember going to the, the big event I saw Harold at was um, at the University of Illinois uh, Pavilion, where a great crowd. And uh, I remember that. Pretty exciting, yeah. Well, and, you know, we were talking about how, how Harold seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, my, I, I think I, I told you uh, off the air that my first assignment for WBBM uh, was man on the street after a three-way debate in which it was universally uh, acknowledged that Harold Washington won it. Uh, and I think people were surprised. In fact, the people I talked to were very surprised that he was able to hold his own in a debate with a state's attorney and an incumbent mayor. But I think a lot of it had to do with his personality and how good he was as a speaker. Well, he was a great speaker. Uh, I mean, he had all the gifts. He had uh, that uh, baritone uh, voice. He had a great smile. Um, and the other thing uh, people don't realize, this man had been around government and politics his whole life from the time he was a, a child. His father was in politics and used to take him to meetings. His father was a, a, a minister and he would take Harold to some of these churches. He went around to different churches to preach. And sometimes little Harold would get up. But then he, you know, he, his whole life was pretty much in government. He worked, he was in the corporation council's office a long time in the legislature. So he had a great knowledge of, of government when he went in. And in, in that regard, he was a lot like the first Mayor Daley who had had all of this preparation and jobs before becoming mayor. The first Daley was 55 when he got elected. Harold was 60. So here was a guy with great experience Get now, the old mayor Daly and his son were not very gifted as orators. Uh, they um, they were good managers, maybe, but they <laughs> were not great speakers. Harold was outstanding in that in that regard. And as you say, that first debate, I think everybody said he uh, he was he was Mister Smooth and uh, and had a great grasp of the issues. And uh, he was good. Yeah, I want to start to get into some of the lessons we could learn. And some of them, I think, comes from that campaign. Uh, one, and as you pointed out, Harold Washington, I think, was really looking into the future when he said, I'm not coming in without, what was it, 50,000 uh, voters, uh, you know, registering some, some, some. I think he wanted 100, yeah. Yeah, it could have been, yeah, I, I would. And that and the money, and that actually became a model for campaigns. And I mean, let, let's face it, registration 
put Barack Obama in the White House, registered, you know, voter registration across the country. I think he saw how much it could mean a difference in campaigns. I think you're right about that. Um, He, you know, there had been a huge, uh, I I mentioned that figure of 100,000. There had been a huge uh, increase of about 100,000 from the year before uh, when um, Governor Thompson was opposed by Adlai Stevenson and the black community got into that race pretty big and and registered 100,000. And then there were more registered for Harold. And one of the things that I think that Harold brought to the table was, uh, and I was told this by a lot of old African-American office holders, legislators after the election, the black people didn't have uh, anybody to vote for most of the time. They were usually machine people and um the the um you know their relatives in the black community would vote for them and uh it was kind of a controlled vote but as one one i remember ray ewell who was a state rep a pretty smart guy i thought and he said that at this time the community really had somebody they could really believe in and uh and the whole campaign was like a movement there was, it was a religious, there was a fervor to it. Absolutely. And you remember everybody had those blue buttons. Uh, yes. And uh, that, that's kind of the way it went. And one of the other things, and again, I think this is a, a lesson, was the style of campaigning. Howard Washington, and I, I got to cover him I mean, I got to cover all three, actually, all of the candidates at one point or another, just because we couldn't be everywhere. One, Bob Crawford, my predecessor as a political uh, uh, editor, uh, couldn't be everywhere. So I got to follow a lot of the candidates around. And I remember that Harold Washington was simply not afraid to walk up to his detractors and try to charm them. And frankly, it worked sometimes. In fact, I, th- I remember a, a wonderful picture of Harold Washington posing with, and I, I was with him for that stop, posing with two guys who were holding up down with Harold signs along outside of where he was supposed to appear. And Harold goes straight across the street and t- goes to talk to them. And they end up posing for a picture with him, smiling. <laughs> And holding the signs. <laughs> well, that was, uh, you know, I think Hubert Humphrey coined this, this thing, that I, the phrase of politics of joy. Um, you know, I have a picture here at my home of my late wife and I uh, with Harold Washington. Now, this was after he was elected, but we have a picture of with him and you know where it's at it's at a a dinner for alderman william lipinski who was from a totally white ethnic ward who supported harold and uh harold came out there to his party and i was somehow was invited my wife and i went and we had our photo taken with him but harold was just 
a delight. I mean, he he danced, he was doing the polka with all these Polish women. Uh, so um, I, I think different from today, you know, everybody's angry in politics, uh, especially with their opponents. Uh, you know, they, they never anything like that uh, would happen. And I, you know, I, I want to talk about the anger a, a little later, but I want to also, you know, I think we are, it's probably shorthand for a lot of people to say Harold Washington changed politics in Chicago forever. Um, but we had machine politics that was the dominant in Chicago for so long was what we saw an end of machine politics as Harold himself used to like to say, or did it just get maybe chased into the shadows for a while? Were we, or were we seeing something new? This, you know, the kind of coalitions that were building? Well, you know, it's interesting because after Harold died, um, I think they had a acting mayor, you, you know, Eugene, the, yeah, the Eugene, uh, Eugene Sawyer. Sawyer. Yeah. Mumbles, they called him. <laughs> and, and then, but see, when Daly, then Daly later got elected uh, for a long time, but what Daly did, and I think this was because of what Harold had started, Daly started building coalitions. He started making, uh, friends in the black community. He, he went up to the north side, the so-called do-gooder district, you know, up on the, what the wine and cheese set up on the, you know, good government people. And he made friends with them, made coalitions with them and it worked a lot better um, because um, I remember there was um, Alderman William Singer, who you remember who yeah. was the, uh, he was always uh, opposed to the the organ the Democratic Party uh, uh, organization, the machine. He was a Democrat, but he became friends with Daly and had a very successful law practice. And uh, so Harold started this idea of spreading the stuff around uh, the contracts. Uh, you, let's not have it all go to the eleventh ward, or you know. And, and that was, I think that's what was one of the things that he set the stage for. Mm. Um, even in the governing, uh, Harold Washington obviously had bitter fights with the 29 uh, aldermen who uh, opposed him from the very start. The council wars that we know were quite famous, uh, but by his second term, which unfortunately he didn't live very long through, uh, things had changed. Uh, so what happened that really turned the tide for him? Well, I think there was a court case on redistricting or the map uh, that went in his favor and that he regained a majority on the city council. And he didn't have a lot of time, but he did a lot of things. Uh, he he uh, one of the big things is I think he passed an ethics ordinance, uh, which was one of the big things. He also um, he, 
I, I think by his own stroke of the pen, uh, changed a lot in city services, better services for all the neighborhoods, not just the, the favored wards. Uh, so he, he got a chance to, to start some very good, uh, worthwhile things. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and we're talking about the political legacy of Harold Washington. My guest is former NBC5 political reporter and author Peter Nolan. His book is titled Campaign, the 1983 Election That Rocked Chicago. Uh, I want to also talk about, again, we're, and we're started starting to drift back into the, the, the attitude issues about the kind of anger that maybe we see in politics too much today. But even in the midst of council wars, Harold Washington could be at the very least civil with the people on the other side. And in fact, one of the more uh, popular clips of, of audio from the old days, and I, I suppose there's video of it somewhere, is um, Ed Verdoliak, the leader of the 29, uh, telling Harold Washington that he had gone to a race and bet on a horse called Harold right. and won. Right. <laughs> and Harold Washington says, well, I think I should get a cut of that because you know it was Harold and you should share the wealth yeah. and Verdoliak says hey that's what I've been trying to tell you for the for all along and they both had a good laugh and clearly they 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 it was almost like a comedy routine uh and and that seemed to also be uh you know you're the people you're fighting are in fact human yes and uh I think the name of that horse was Sweet Harold. I'm not sure, but I think that was the I think Sweet you're right. Harold. And he, you're right. And he said, um, you know, he'd been trying to divide the spoils with, with the mayor for a long time or for a year. Yeah. And, you know, there, there was a lot of talk, too, that after this battle of the, the Verdoliac, what, 26 or whatever? 29. 29. Yeah. Um, that they had meetings and uh, Renault Robinson uh, confirmed to me when I was doing the research for the book that they did in fact have meetings at Harold's apartment because they had to do little details of appointments and things that had to be done. Uh, and uh, and th that uh, he said that, uh, or I think it was Ray Ewell told me that uh, they actually enjoyed one another. Verdoliak, you know, he was kind of a, a character and it, it, would, uh, it could banter with the best of them. Uh, so uh, one thing I just wanted to mention about the book, uh, this current, I know you, you, we sent you a, we put out this new edition. That yeah, shortened. I haven't seen the new edition. I okay, have the original. Got, <laughs> yeah, and it basically it's got a beautiful new cover uh, with Harold campaigning, I, I hope, I don't know if we sent you a copy of that cover. Did you see that? I, ha I haven't, but, I haven't been the, to the, uh, the title. Here, we shortened I... the title to the election that rocked Chicago. But anyway, but getting back to Verdoliak, um, 
He he uh, made a statement after it was all over, and said he, he he wouldn't do anything different. But he said that the one thing that he said he did that he was sorry. He said he got on the city council floor too many times. He got too angry, and he says when you get angry, you say things you shouldn't say, and uh, that was his take on it. But that's yeah. the way it went. Yeah, and you know, and I think that is a, a lesson that I think people that might resonate with people because we are getting a lot of angry talk, and not just on the floor of the city council, but on the floors of floor of Congress and oh yeah, Springfield. It it seems as if you know anger and outrage is the uh, is the coin of the realm. It is. That's that's what. Uh is uh disturbing to me uh because uh you know you and i when we had a conversation the other day um i remember when legislators uh republican and democrat could sit down i especially in springfield could sit down and have drinks after having a big argument on the floor of the legislature uh they'd sit down and have dinner together um now that is not the case. I just wish that, um, I think it was Lyndon Johnson uh, had as the President Johnson, if anybody, your listeners remember who he was. <laughs> uh, oh, I think a lot he, of them do. He had a, uh, he and uh, the Speaker of the House, Sam Rayburn was from Texas too. Uh, they had a thing, uh, they'd meet, um, in the basement of the Capitol, and they called it the Board of Education. And they had, um, they'd have drinks down there every night, two, you know, the leaders of both parties. And I think they were able to work out compromise deals. And that's what I, I was sorry to say, you know, with all the things going on in, uh, in the country and the world, uh, uh, somebody's got to sit down and say, I'll give you this you give me this we've got to work some compromise in and and we've got to have some civility and it seems that the compromise you know at least for a while was a uh, was a, a a dirty word um but yeah and you know we were talking about people who would get together and phil philip rock who was the republican leader in the illinois senate and excuse me philip rock was the was the senator president Pate Phillip was the Republican leader yes. of the uh, Illinois Senate. Yeah, they were famous for going, you know, going at each other on the floor. And then there's a there was a restaurant that was just walking distance away from the Capitol building called Bowers. And you would Bowers, go to Bowers yeah. and you would see the two of them having dinner together and needling each other about who I, I really got you there, didn't I? You know, I. I won yeah. that one, and oh, yeah, well, you'll you'll lose the next one. So yeah, that's that. It seems is has been lost that people couldn't see each other as opponents, but not enemies. Exactly, and uh, Pate Phillip was a real. He was a very conservative Republican. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, you, you don't have that that kind of camaraderie. I remember in when I covered Springfield, 
we you had sometimes had um, a Republican and a Democrat uh, who roomed together. You know, they 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 had apartments together. Like you know, these guys were all bachelors down there in those days. And um, the other one I remember was there was a, a black legislator machine guy, but named uh, Jimmy Taylor. And Jimmy Taylor, they when he was elected uh, to the to the I think to the House, they sat him up in the back of the chamber with a lot of legislators that some people called rednecks. They were from down southern Illinois, not far from the Mason-Dixon line. And the black caucus leaders went to Jimmy and they said, "You know, Jimmy, you don't have to sit up there. We can move you down." He said, no, I'll sit up there. And he was a prize fighter. He had been a heavyweight prize fighter. And he got up there and he kind of uh, regaled these guys, these downstate hillbillies. I don't want to say that, but the, I mean, it's kind of, and pretty soon uh, the, the hillbillies or the, the, down, the rednecks are voting for welfare bills in Cook County. And Jimmy Taylor is... Uh, voting for mos mosquito abatement funds for downstate. And they got to be friends. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that was, uh, but you know, I don't think you see that kind of thing anymore. You know, I have to tell you, one of my favorite interviews that we did on this program years ago was when Don Manzullo, the Republican uh, congressman. Up around Rockford, wasn't he? Yeah, we lost to Adam Kinzinger, who is a conservative Congressman, Don Manzullo was about as conservative as you get. Yeah. What killed him was some people on the far right uh, felt that he actually talked to Democrats too much, that he made too yeah. many, he came to too many agreements with Democrats. And so we did a program where he did talk about leaving and we asked, what was it that killed bipartisanship in, uh, in Washington? And he said, jet travel. And the person doing the interview with me, I, I, I want to say it was Kerry Lester. Uh, uh, we both looked at each other and went, wait, what? And he said, when, he said, back in my day, we couldn't go home from Congress on the weekends. So we had to stay there. And in the weekends, we ate together. Our kids played together. And he said, you just can't hate people who are your neighbors, people your kids grew up with. And he said, as soon as we could go home, we all would split off and go home on the weekends and hear only from people who think exactly like us. And he said, that's, that's when it all died, when we could escape and not have to treat people as family and friends. And that's absolutely true, I believe. And, uh, you know, the, the jet travel and um, I thought you were going to mention, too, that sometimes they had to go on the train together. Yeah. But, uh, they it was a different time and I think it, it was better. I, I, another thing, too. Is um, these younger legislators now are have, are. Uh, I don't know how to put this, but they're very from all from Ivy League schools. 
most of them, I'm thinking of Washington and to a certain extent Springfield. And they, uh, Ivy League schools, many of them have been staff people in the government. And as you say, you know, they, they're talking to their own kind and they, they don't have an opportunity to sit and have dinner and maybe do something on a Saturday with one of their colleagues who's from the opposing party. Mm. So uh, that's, that's very true what, what you say and what Don Manzullo, who was his, uh, there was another guy from up there who was quite a, a legislator. Oh, I, I can't think of the name, but I, I know there was somebody else either. from the, uh, he but was he from the was, Northwest uh, and, suburbs. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he was around Rockford. Or, but, and I think he was, you know, they were Republicans, but they, the Republicans, I remember in the legislature in Springfield, they all got along with uh, with, with the Democrats, and, and it was always downstate versus Chicago. And uh, but somehow they got along and they got things done. Well, with any luck, maybe people will get back to that, but we will have to wait and see. I hope we live to <laughs> Peter. I hope we live to see it. But I do too. Yeah, uh, that's going to be the final word because uh, we are out of time. I want to thank former NBC Five political reporter and author Peter Nolan for spending this half hour with us. His book is titled Campaign the election that rocked Chicago, published by Amica Press. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There is a link on the homepage too. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.